Welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and I myself will search and find my friends in the pod. Oh, there you are. Today we're talking about negligent shepherds, and Barry's here to provocatively invite us to Jesus' parable of the lost sheep. I am here. Before we get fitted for our wool jackets, now that they've gorged themselves on lamb chops, let's welcome in our favorite co-host, stuck in the mouths of every wild animal, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good, good day. day. Good day. How are you? Lots of references. Yeah. That yeah. was good. I'm, I'm well. How are you, Tyler? I'm good. Full. I actually listened to last week's message wondering how many you were going to cram into that intro because, my goodness, the imagery you gave us, Barry. a lot of imagery. Gorging, the shepherds gorging, or the Israelites gorging themselves on lamb chops and wool clothes. Right? Oh, I'll feed you. I'll feed you justice. Well, first of all. Yeah, right? I love that line. (laughs) Isn't isn't Israel, all I could think was like, isn't Israel like super hot? Who's wearing wool jackets? Uh, it's not. I mean, in, in the winter, it, gets, it is kind of highlands, uh, the the central Judean highlands where they lived. It would have gotten gotten a little chilly in the winter, and people would have wanted to wear like at least like a sweater vest or something. Um, so yeah. Right. <laughs> well, what's new in your world, Tyler? You start. You start us off. I want to know. Well, we're going to a drive-in movie tonight. Whoa! Ooh. Where are those found? In there's one. There's one in Indianapolis. Uh, Tibbs. It's uh, Tibbs oh, Drive-In. Yeah. And uh, months ago, we bought these tickets uh, to go with my family, and we're gonna go watch Shrek. Whoa! So <laughs> the original Whoa. Shrek. Yeah. So we're bringing the babies, and uh, oh, please tell me the babies are wearing costumes. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. We should do that. Yes. <laughs> I hear That's you have amazing. some extra costumes for us, Mary. <laughs> not, not Shrek ones. <laughs> no, but it's Halloween week, so we got we have we have multiple options right now. All right, so Milo has changed his his uh, mind on what he wants to be. He's gone from Captain America, so of course we bought yep. everything Captain America, like shield, shield helmet, suit, mm-hmm. boots, everything. <laughs> but that was that was like three weeks ago. He's way over that. Yeah. Then it was Spider-Man, Miles Morales. He wants to be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Then his aunt, which is like, she's like three and a half or four. His aunt. Yeah. <laughs> left aunt baby. Aunt baby. Aunt baby. <laughs> That's what he calls yeah. her. Uh, she left. She mistakenly left her um, Princess Anna dress home while she went to Florida from Frozen. From, Florida, yeah. from Frozen. And he found it. And now he wants to be Elsa. Oh, wow. <laughs> so Can he hit those high notes, though. <laughs> yeah. So he has the dress. He stole her dress, and now he has an Elsa braid that he just, like, pets <laughs> over his, on shoulder. his shoulder. <laughs> so who knows? Who knows what he's going to be for Halloween this year? Uh, it could be any of those three. Well, I guess the, the real question is, is there a Halloween this year? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, we're not, we're not, our neighborhood like canceled the, the trick or treating. Okay. So we're, we're doing the, I think we're just like parking our cars at the ends of our driveways and just having like candy to pick up, but there's nobody going to be there to like touch hmm. it. So we're like, everybody's wrapping their candy individually for kids to go car to car to car to car to car and yeah. take candy. Like in like little goodie bags or something? Yeah. Okay. So I think that's what we're doing. Um, it's just not the same. It is. Yeah. Not the same. 
It's my daughter's like favorite night of the year. Like whether she's passing, she just loves seeing all the little kids and how cute they are in their little costumes. So I don't know. Does she dress up? Um, yes, I, I think she, I think she was still dressed up last year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She has been my holdout where Jaden's been kind of done with Halloween for a couple of years. He's way too cool for that. Too cool. She's been holding on just, Mm. she still loves the whimsy (laughs) of being able to just have a silly day and no one loves candy more than Desi loves candy. So really it's (laughs) all about the candy. Mm -hmm. So that's what's new in my life. What's new in your guy's life? What's going on? Barry, you, you must go. (laughs) Okay, I must go. I must go. Um, Not a lot has changed, uh, I guess, since last week. I'm I'm just kind of doing my thing. I'm trying to get my... I know, I I know, I know it's new. You're about to... What? You're about to be a goose on Steam. Oh, wait, not Steam. Oh, right. Uh, Twitch. (laughs) Twitch, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... I'll get to that in a second. I was going to say the one thing that is new is I'm trying desperately to get my garden fence built. Like I'm, I've, I've got this big where I've been doing my permaculture food forest. I've been building like a really big thousand square foot fence to kind of make the the future ready. Um, but the deer have been getting in there mm, since I'm pesky. not, it's not built yet. And so they're in there just eating up oh, a storm. Man, they're bet. eating my strawberry leaves. Do you hear about that? Apple tree leaves. Well, aren't you happy to provide think- for them? I am, but like, <laughs> I'd rather them not eat the things that I've been hard at work growing all yeah, year. Put a scarecrow um, out there. I think, I think as long as they are just eating the leaves, it'll be fine. Cause oh stuff will grow goodness. back. But like, it's, I'm now I'm like racing against the clock cause the deer have found the jackpot of oh my little my garden. So, so other than um, a fence, what do people do? Does a scarecrow work? Um, I don't think a scarecrow works for deer. Like I've heard people use things like wolf urine See, and stuff to try to like. That's what I was trying not to say, but wolf urine. yes. I mean, my mom had, my mom go got a thing a of uh, coyote urine once, like just oh, yeah. to to keep I think raccoons away. Raccoons had gotten into her roof. Yeah, yeah, something like oh, that. Oh my goodness. Well, I, the other, the other thing you can do, which I don't think I, it'll, it would take years, but you can, you can strategically, if you know, like where they're coming from. And I do, cause I can see them the, like the matted down grass mm-hmm. down the field. If you know where they're coming from, you can strategically plant like things that they would like to eat that are just more of decorative shrubs, but like have berries or mm-hmm. branches or stuff that they want to eat. And that, so that along the way towards the place that is more sensitive they'll be like browsing and by the time they get to where they where your garden is they're already full and Hmm. so then they'll turn away and go somewhere else that's the who knows if that actually works but i've heard of that as a as a kind of working with instead of against them right 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 (laughs) uh anyway so yeah what a problem uh, to have thing i know it's a fun it's a fun problem to have just trying to be friends with nature while also like keeping them out Letting nature have some boundaries. Is there like, so. is there a time of day where you can see deer on your property? Like do it's they always come like out dusk. at sundown or sun up? Yeah. 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 It's, it's almost always dusk that they're out there. Um, but I honestly, I've only caught them like out in our fields a couple, a couple times. Cause it's just like, they're always in the, the part of the property that I'm not right. I'm not usually there at dusk. So, uh, anyway, um, but speaking of, speaking of wildlife that is, um, bothering farmers that that's actually the basis of the game that I'll be, uh, live streaming on Twitch this Wednesday. It's, uh, it's, 
my attempt to try to connect again with the kind of the students and the young, young people of Grace Church and uh, those that are on Twitch watching other people play video games. <laughs> I did it once in July and it was a hit and I'll do it again. So it's called Untitled Goose Game and it's it's actually like really delightful. You're just like a goose and you're you're just making life miserable for like farmers and these like village people and you, you have, you go into like an area, it's like a puzzle. You have to kind of figure out how to do it. And you go into an area and you have a to-do list. Like one of the things will say rake in the lake. And you're like, uh, I guess I have to figure out how to get a rake into the lake. And so you go and you <laughs> grab a rake and start dragging it to the lake. And the farmer's like, Hey, and he's coming after you. And anyway, it's really great. It's like make the farmer, make the farmer stub his thumb or like hit his thumb with a hammer. You're like, uh, how do I do that? And then I realized I saw him, he like is putting up a no duck or no goose sign. And as he's putting it up, he gets his hammer out. And I realized, Oh wait, I have a honk button. I can, and I honked right as he was going to slam it down. And so I only played like the first 10 minutes just to kind of get used to the controls. And so the rest of it, I'll be figuring it out while everyone's watching. So it'll be fun. So is this a situation where like you wear a headset and people talk to you? No, it'll be, there'll be like, I will be wearing a headset. <laughs> yes. So I will look like an official gamer I mean... this is a head, headset situation, but, um, so people will hear me talk, but then there's a chat where people can chat and put whatever they want. And we'll, so I kind of like read the chat, ah, interact okay. with them. And there'll be a little, it'll, it'll be like the full screen will be the video game. And then the, in the corner will be like a video or just the picture of me or the video of me. Um, so I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's a thing. It is a thing that people do now. Yeah. And so I'm just trying to do that thing, trying to be hip to the youth. Mm -hmm. Well, it was a smash, so Wednesday. Uh, a smash Wednesday, right? hit last time. Yeah. Wednesday, 5 p.m. Um, yeah, I've had like so many kids come up to me and be like, I saw you play Minecraft. And I was like, really? Like re you watch that? That's like, yeah, you were pretty terrible. So I turned it off. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Maren, what's the video? What's going on? Okay, well, a lot is new. A lot is going on. Mm. Um, two weeks ago, I think I told the story of Lil J yep. on this podcast, and I knew I'd have to give this update. I took last week off because last week was just super, super rough and emotional. Um, but Lil J just was struggling more and more um, at home, but mostly at school. Mm -hmm. And um, the school mm -hmm. that he goes to, um, for some reason, he was able to, we call it eloping, like he was able to leave the building a lot when he got angry and just, mm -hmm. he was, he just wasn't safe. He wasn't safe to himself. He wasn't safe to his teachers. He was becoming increasingly more aggressive. Um, and so his social workers um, let us know that he would be, um, for a time, for a season, um, put in a residential facility that just had a bit more security in place um, while they work with him and his medications, trying to get him um, in a healthier place to be suitable to live um, in a in a home like ours, just in a regular family home, um, one that doesn't have like guards at the doors and all that. Right. Um, so... We knew it was coming. We didn't have a lot of time uh, to prepare, but um, I just felt moved to make him a little picture book. So I had taken pictures um, from just the short time that he was with us of us hiking together or even of him mm -hmm. um, with my dog curled up next to him while he slept and pictures of him playing video games with my son, Jaden, and just random pictures of what our home life mm -hmm. was like. And yeah. I... Um, the other cool thing I did, we had never been to, um, is it Cool Creek, the little 
park and the hiking place over in Westfield. Yeah. It's a really, really yeah. cool park yeah, cool if you green. haven't been there. Um, and our kids are kind of too old for stuff like that. So we were looking around for places to go with an eight year old. And my friend Jeremy mm-hmm. told me that that was a cool park. So we checked it out and he, he loves hiking and he loves like, especially if there's water involved and he can flip rocks over and look for creatures and salamanders and crayfish and the like. And so we were hiking and we get to this point along the trail, it's just over a bridge and the, the, the path splits off in three ways. And I just took that moment to stand him at the, the fork and say, how many paths do you see? And he said, he sees three. And I'm like, okay, well, which path are you going to choose? And he chose the path that turned to the right, which was great because that's the path that gets you right back to the nature center. And he chose like <laughs> mm-hmm. the best path. <laughs> and so that's been kind of the language we've been able to use with him, even as he was, you know, being told that he was going to have to go stay at this other place for a while. We were talking to him about the path that he chooses. So anyway, I took a picture of that very spot and put it in his Mm. picture book. And then I wrote a little caption. I edited the picture to say, which path will you choose? Mm. And then I I wrote him a little story and he's a pretty good reader. um, And I had him read it back to me about how the path of anger and the path of violence leads you far away from family. Hmm. But the good path, the path of love is always there. That's the good news. Um, What's really cool is um, in his time with us, he became obsessed with the song Waymaker. Him and my husband Hmm. would have, um, they'd only listen to praise music on their way um, to school because my husband's my husband works at the school where we um, first met little Jay. So they'd drive to yeah. school and they would listen to to worship music and Waymaker. He just asked for it over and over and over again. He's got a really good voice, so he'd just sing out loud. Um, and one time when they were driving to school, little Jay said to my husband, Mr. G, I don't know. I just, for some reason, I feel like crying. And my husband's mm. like, that's okay. Like, I cry sometimes when I worship it. That, that kind of comes with it sometimes, you know? So that is a song that really spoke to his little heart. And so I told him that the good news is there is always a way, even if you made a bad choice and you chose the wrong path and you don't like where it led you, there's always a way back to the path of love. Jesus is mm. the way. And then I wrote him that little Aaron. line from Waymaker. This boy has my whole heart. Wow. So wow. I I was called to his school on the day that he was to be transported. It was last Tuesday, I think. Um, and he had eloped from school. Um, he had had a really rough day. They had to call the police. It was just terrible. Mm-hmm. And I was able to walk in with that little book. And um, he was pretty de-escalated by that point. So he was able to look at the pictures and read it back to me. And he just held on to that book for dear life and started mm-hmm. showing everyone who was within five feet of him. Do you want to see my pictures? <laughs> Do you want to see my book? And that um, had just kind of carried him to um, his new home. It's actually up by where my dad lives. Um, my husband and I still have um, visiting rights to be able to go see him, even to take him off campus and have like little family visits. We're still in it with him. Yeah. 
Um, and the coolest story was the his teacher, he's doing school online now that he's been moved to this other place. He brought that picture book to class and was showing his classmate. Mm-hmm. There's only like one student who goes to class today because of <laughs> Corona. But he was showing that classmate pictures of my family. And he'd point to Jaden and say, that's my brother. And he'd point to Desi and mm-hmm. say, that's my sister. So, wow. um, yeah, the story goes, he's been uh, hugging that book and sleeping with it at night. And I just was wanting to give him a lifeline and give him like a visual point of contact that this is not how his story has to end. Um, yeah. We just continue to pray for him, continue to pray for him. We've, we've been trying to call him. Um, it's been a bit of a cat and mouse kind of chase phone tag situation where the person who's supposed to set up the appointment for us to be able to speak to him hasn't been available, blah, blah, blah. Um, in the midst of all of it, we're just continuing to pray for him. My my husband went out and bought stationery yesterday. He's never bought stationery in his life, but he's like, if they're not going to let us talk to him on the phone, then at the least we can, Jed Gaffrey. Right, we can send yeah. him some cards. And we just want him yeah. to know that we are trying to get a hold of him and we love him and yeah. he's not alone. So just so, continue to pray for him. I have two questions. One, do you know how long this will be the mm. phase that he's in? Uh, to answer that question, the best answer I could give you, his social worker has sent at least one other um, student um, to this particular place. She said the shortest she's ever had someone stay there was 90 days. And the longest mm. she's ever had somebody stay there was six months. Mm-hmm. So um, it it sounds like it all depends on how he responds to treatment. Um there are therapists, there are nurses. Um, it's again, it's just more intensive than being placed with, you know, a family like ours. So it all depends on how he responds. And my second question is, how are you? (laughs) Because wow. What a roller coaster of a year, first of all. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I mean, you see, you see light in every situation, like making the book and like doing the waymaker thing and the path thing. Like you're pointing it, you're pointing this little boy toward light and you're, you're seeing like God in every situation. Okay. But how are you? Yeah. yeah well, I'm emotional. Do, I, do, we need, I, do we need to make you a book? We you probably, probably should. <laughs> should make me a book guys, but first take me hiking. Um, yeah. Last week I, I, couldn't even do the pod. Uh, right. Last week, yeah. I didn't want to get out of bed. Um, it's hard. But I think in a situation like this, it's in a weird way, as difficult as it is, it's easier to see God because it's such hmm. a dark place. And mm-hmm. the light of God, the light of Christ shines so brightly in the darkest of places. And this poor boy has been so traumatized by the, that he's eight. He has seen more and experienced more. We know because of the way he talks to us, we know because of the things he says that no eight-year-old should even know exists, let alone yeah. saying those things out loud in fits of anger or whatever. He is in a dark place. But Tyler, you sent me, when we first took Jay in, you sent me a scripture that spoke to you that you shared with us. And it was when um, 
the Old Testament story of Samuel who goes to live with Eli. And Samuel hmm. knocks on Eli's door a bunch of times throughout the night because he's hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's hearing the voice of God, but he doesn't know it yet. Mm-hmm. And he just keeps waking up and he just keeps knocking on Eli's door. And finally, Eli gets a clue and says, okay, well, that's not me calling you, Samuel, for the fifth time. That is not me. Mm-hmm. Um, next time you hear the voice, you know, say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears you. You sent us that scripture early on in this process. And the thing that stood out to me the most in the passage you sent us was the very first line of that scripture you sent us says, for Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Right. And that just, Mm. that keeps sticking with me when he's fighting us, when he's angry, when he's lost in his kind of downward spiral of anger. He has so much anger and he won't talk to anybody about the real reasons why. Yeah. Little Jay does not yet know the Lord. Yeah. And he has been from house to house to house to house, but now he's in our house. Mm-hmm. And whether he is physically with us or, or not physically with us for whatever reason, God has entrusted this boy to us and he will he will know the lord yeah if it's just through yeah. our example of life it's if it's through the music we we play for him if it's coloring uh coloring books next to me in big church because we can't quite get him through <laughs> kids church yet he will know the lord he will yeah. he will yeah wow well obviously this is not over no so I hope that you'll keep us posted Uh, between Sundays. I hope that you'll keep friends of the pod posted on, on little Jay and how he's doing. Cause you know, if Jed's buying stationary, it's serious. (laughs) It's very serious. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Just, Um, I think the, the prayer at this point is that we'd be able to have a FaceTime call with him or even talk to him on the phone. And just, um, again, it's, we're, I think as of today, we're officially one week, um, from mm-hmm. when we, we said, see you later, not mm-hmm. so much goodbye, but see mm-hmm. you later. So we're one weekend and we'll let you know what wow. happens. Okay. Okay. So we are in week three of our current series ears to hear, right? Nailed it. Week three. Okay. So Barry, <laughs> you, got it. Uh, you gave the sermon this weekend or last weekend and it was the, uh, the, the whole series is about, parables and this week you preached on the parable of the lost sheep correct yeah yep the lost sheep okay so for anyone who hasn't heard it yet can you give us kind of the big idea or big picture of what you wanted us to walk away with yes so um as with most of the well all of the messages in this series we're kind of pointing to the fact that jesus's parables were not they're not just tidy morality tales they are kind of provocative depictions of God's kingdom of, of how God works in this world of his rule and his reign. And so this story, the, the, the shepherd that leaves the 99 sheep to go look for the one that's lost is actually, it's part of that. It's, it's part of that provocative invitation to understand God's kingdom. And it may not seem like that at first glance. Cause it's like, well, isn't it pretty much just God loves everybody. And so he goes looking for the one and, and yes, it is that, but I, I went to kind of great lengths to, to point out that Jesus was drawing on a much deeper layer of meaning 
by telling this story. And a lot of it comes specifically from something that the prophet Ezekiel said in Ezekiel 34, where he also told a big parable about lost sheep. And, uh, in his case, it was, it was very much, um, condemning the the leaders of Israel for letting the people struggle and wander and f- face injustice while they were enriching themselves and getting powerful and you know so yeah it, basically there's so much injustice that he was saying you were given one job you're the shepherds of Israel and you've let the sheep wander away and um and then he says I mean Ezekiel's prophecy continues that where God basically says and so I will I will take your job over. I will be the one who rescues them. I will go look for the lost sheep. I will bring them home. And, uh, and then he yeah, says that line that Marin, that, that yes. you quoted earlier where he says to that, he says, God says to the shepherds, he's like, I'll take your job away from you. You know? And he's like, I'm going to feed them. I'm going to give them all these sheep. I'm going to give them great pasture, green, green grass, all that good stuff. And he's like, and to the shepherds, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to feed you justice. And it's like, what? (laughs) And so anyway, that, that is sort of the backdrop behind what Jesus is saying with this whole parable of the lost sheep. Cause in both Luke um, 15 and Matthew 18, where he tells these, this story, um, they're different contexts, but basically they are each uh, in, in one way or another, there is a group of people who are being cast aside by those in power, by the religious leaders. And Jesus is saying, you guys have it wrong because, because the good shepherd goes after those, the ones that are little, the ones that are lost, the ones that are cast aside. And so, um, anyway, I basically, that's, that, that was the, the takeaway. The good shepherd pursues the one lost sheep. Um, but with all that extra meaning, it starts to realize, you start to realize just how kind of provocative that is. So I took it as a, an ask for us to consider, do we actually think that do we actually align our lives to that truth? Are we looking for the one lost sheep too? Or are we just kind of gorging ourselves on lamb chops and, you know, wearing our nice wool jackets, as I said, um, and while the other people are, are kind of lost and scattered. Mm-hmm. And I also used it kind of in a, probably I would say more of a traditional interpretation of that passage, wow. which I ended it by saying, look, like those, if you are one of those people who feels insignificant and lost and cast aside and nobody, like if that's you, um, then you need to understand that the good shepherd is looking for you. Like you are the, if you are the lost sheep, God is on the move trying to bring you home. And I kind of, I I tried to make it an, an invitation for people to call out to the shepherd, let him know where you are and, and let him bring you home. And, um, yeah. So, and that good shepherd being Jesus, it was a, it was an invitation to give your life to him. This is one of those sermons that, um, I kind of wish you'd write a book about it because <laughs> about this sermon. Well, yeah. Cause like just the idea of, and you gave everybody homework, which I did not appreciate by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but you, I wish, and maybe there are, I'm sure there are books, but like that say, Hey, this thread goes to here and this thread goes to here. Not yeah. like a concordance or whatever. Right. Right. A book for people like me who, that's weird that you say that. I was literally just having a conversation with David uh, Cottle, my executive assistant, about that. And I was saying, you know what I want to do? I want to write a book about, here's the toolkit of basic mm. biblical threads yeah. where it's like, let me tell you about sheep. Let that's me tell you about blood. Let me tell you about vineyards. Like, yeah, yeah. That's what I want. And then, and then when you're, whenever you encounter it, you'll, you'll be able to tap into that bigger thread, you know, yeah. top, top 10 
biblical threads to know or something like that. I don't know. All right. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. When you started preparing for this sermon, were you like, I got to get to Ezekiel 34? No. Through your study. Really? Were you like, Whoa, I, this is that's fascinating. Yeah, I want to hear about this. Yeah, it's, you're right. So I hear parable of the lost sheep all the time. Like you're, you hear it in grace kids. You yeah. don't hear Ezekiel 34 ever with the parable of right. lost sheep. So I want to hear right. how you came, how you arrived there. And uh, yeah. So several years ago, no, I mean, God has been totally working <laughs> through this. Like I did not, I didn't set out with Ezekiel 34 in mind. Several years ago, I was reading through the prophets and I read Ezekiel and I mean, it blew my mind. It's a messed up weird book. I mean, it is of all the prophets, he's the one that was like, he was odd. He was an odd one and they were all pretty odd. But um, I read Ezekiel 34. And if you look at my Bible, like it's all marked up and everything. Cause I was like, what, wait a second. And like, right after what we read in the service, uh, he goes on and has this whole metaphor about the sheep and the goats and God's going to divide them. And it's like, Oh, that's where Jesus got that. And so like, I was writing all that up and then it completely kind of faded from my mind for a while. And when I was going into this one, I was more thinking of it um, from the, the sense that it's provocative that God would would talk about or that, that Jesus would talk about going after saving those that the world casts aside instead while also talking about concepts of judgment. And, and I, I didn't really have a clear direction on exactly what I would be going into. But then as I started, I just kind of opened it up. I was like, all right, let's, let's start working on this sermon. That's when Ezekiel 34 popped back up. And I was like, Oh my gosh, of course, mm. of course. And it all just clicked. And it was literally, I think the outline of this sermon wrote itself faster than any sermon I've ever written. Cause it was like, Oh, of course. Da, 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 da. And I was, the outline was done. So, um, cause it just all clicked into place for me. And, and then here's the thing I didn't know. And I had not yet known or realized until then I, until this past week, I had never put together the, the, and I hinted at it, the, the connection between Ezekiel 34 and the lost sheep and what Jesus tells Peter in John, uh, whatever the end of John, where Jesus reinstates Peter and tells him, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Mm. I never realized that is also connected to this thread. And it like all of a sudden blew my mind even more. And uh, anyway, so it was, I'll say it was not intentional to go straight to Ezekiel 34, but now it's like, I can see how God has, yeah. has, has been weaving that thread in my own life to be able to, to, to get there this mm. weekend. So as usual with the show, I come away from a sermon like that and I'm like, why, why am I 37 and hearing this for the first time? Because when you hear <laughs> yeah. the parable of the lost sheep, you're like, that's really sweet. That's really nice that yeah. Jesus would, you know, care about me enough to not rest until, you know, it's, it's the, it's the song that reckless love, reckless love, you know, mm -hmm. it's that Jesus right. would do what it takes to find me. That's, that's usually, and we did talk about that a little bit. <clears throat> that was one of the applications. Yeah. But never have I heard uh, the tie to Ezekiel and the tie to justice mm -hmm. and the tie, like I've never heard that. And so mm. yeah. why, what are we doing? Why does it take me so long to understand this? 
Marin, have you heard this? Not not put in this way. No, I'm 100% with you. Barry referenced, you know, I, I'm thinking about my kids' uh, adorable little Lutheran elementary school that they yeah. went to. And you better believe they had a picture of European Jesus with that lamb draped <laughs> yeah. over his shoulders. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that, blonde that, hair. That, oh, yeah. That, that somebody like watercolored or something that came yeah. in a kit. Like, that's the image. That's the image I get. When I think about that story. Yeah. Or the song Reckless Love. You know, that's how we usually take it. You picture him like sitting in the shade, petting a lamb. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but you never, you don't picture the Ezekiel 34 part. And so, right. Why why do you think, I think that's not talked about. I think, I think the answer is because we, we haven't gone looking for it. Like, I think, I think in general, I mean, my whole kind of experience growing up in in the evangelical church is that we just, the Old Testament is something that's kind of almost like, you got to search through for some good nuggets, but most of the time you just kind of set it aside because what we really care about is Jesus and Paul Mm. and (laughs) and what Paul had to say, you know, and and it's like, and I I get where that mindset comes from because if your entire story is creation, fall, and then Jesus, then it's like, why would you even spend time reading what the prophets had to say? Cause it's like, that doesn't have anything to do with me and, and the church and all that. But when you start to realize that as the Bible project always says that the entire work of scripture is a unified story that leads to Jesus, suddenly you start looking for things. And, and of course, when you realize that Jesus was a Jewish rabbi in the first century who would have been bathed in scripture yeah. his entire life, what was that scripture? Oh, wait, it was the Old Testament. And so you, to understand Jesus, you have to understand what what he understood. And so yeah. I guess it's, I guess now it's just because we're, we're looking for it, that these kinds of threads are coming together and we weren't looking for it before. I don't know. That's my take. That's my, my impression of it. Yeah. Of why I'm always thankful for it. Like I'm not, I'm not mad, but I'm, I'm, I'm always like, I talk about this all the time. How like, what, what have I been doing that I had never heard it this way, you know, but yeah. All right. So Ezekiel 34 is basically, if you haven't heard the sermon yet, basically putting the leaders of Israel on blast, right? Because yeah, they haven't cared for God's people properly or well. Right. And Ezekiel says, God is going to take it from here. And, or Ezekiel says, God says that he's going to take it from here. And, you know, then smash cut to Jesus saying, I was sent to care for the the lost sheep sheep of Israel, Yeah, which is basically taking it from here. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that was like, that was like the part of the movie where you're like remembering back to all these things that someone said at the beginning yeah. of the movie. And you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Whoa. laughs> right. You know, it all yeah. makes right. sense. Like when yeah. God's basically yelling at the, at the leaders of Israel, he's like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to feed you justice. Uh, smash cut Jesus is here and he's saying I'm here for your justice <laughs> I mean not really but I'm here for the lost sheep I'm here for my lost sheep that you guys have not taken yeah. care of um, Yeah. so he's the good shepherd and the kingdom of God is is for the ones that we've cast aside and just like the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the four soils Jesus is telling us that or he's telling us about who he is and what the kingdom of God is for mm-hmm. yeah um, and 
whether it's 2020 or whether it's ancient times, leaders, these leaders think that the way to the kingdom of heaven is through success. Do you think my question, do you think they knew what they were doing? Do you think they were like, uh, do you think they thought that they were in line with what God wanted them to do? Or did you think that they were like, conniving or something like evil, not evil, but you thought, do you think that they were doing the, they thought they were doing the right stuff or do you think that they were like, nah, forget these sheep. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah. What do you guys think? Marin? what do you think? I I've got an opinion, but I'm curious to hear what you think. I don't know. I, the first scripture that comes to mind is there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end hmm. it leads to death. So I'm just trying to think in my own life. Sometimes I I can think I'm doing the right thing, um, but I'm doing it with the wrong heart mm. and therefore spinning my wheels and definitely not pleasing God. Um, and then there are, you know, I can <laughs> I can point uh, to seasons of life and ministry where I know my heart wasn't in the right place because man, I just mm. been doing this for so long and just who cares anymore? I'm going to get my, yeah. you know, is that, is yeah. that where they were? Um, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think, I also think there are ways of misinterpreting what is true that can lead you, <clears throat> that can lead you down a completely wrong path. Like I'll take the, you know, the, the leaders of Israel in, Ezekiel's time, they had been taught and they understood that eventually God's God's kingdom and Israel itself would 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 rule the world, right? That they would be the dominant, they would, they would, that God's kingdom would would be overall, right? So in their mentality, how does God's kingdom become overall? Well, it become becomes overall through power and through military dominance and through destroying our enemies and all of that. Why and that was their mentality of it. I don't know. Maybe that's just the, the culture that they were in. Is that just humanity? Like humanity just always thinks uh, these. I think so. I mean, our empires are going to come through power. Is that just humanity or. I, I think it is. Cause I think it's that somehow. I think it's pride. I think we always hmm. think that there's some way that we can in our own strength either bring about justice or even bring about the reign of God or the kingdom of God or work our way into heaven or whatever. When we, we consistently fail to understand that it is, it's God who does everything. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) It's never us, even at our best, even on our best day, it is God who gives us breath in our lungs and wakes up, wakes us up in our right mind. And it's just, it's all God. It's God. Right. That's what we right. forget. Right. And, and for them to, <laughs> if someone had sat those leaders down and said, Hey guys, the way it's actually going to happen, the way that the God's kingdom will be overall is that uh, God himself will die for you. And then through his resurrection, will unleash the, his spirit into humanity so that everybody, including the Gentiles and all those nations that you want to destroy can actually join and be a part of this kingdom. Like they would have been like, uh, nah, no, I think we're going to be the ones on top. Like it would have, we know that we looking back, we know that's what it is. Right. We know it. Yeah. We still, but we still do it. Well, and it's, look at, look at, um, 
I mean, you can look at our country right now and look at how many people on both sides of the political spectrum want their faith, their, their ideals to be the dominant ideals, even in a political sphere. And it, what if it doesn't come through dominance? What if it doesn't come through winning? There's a song Marin sent me the other day and, um, it's, I won't get into who and all the songs. Cause there is some political overtones to the specific song. Great. I really loved the song and I've really enjoyed his album by the way. But, um, this one line he says is, um, uh, love comes in a million disguises, but winning is simply not one. And I'm like that right there. That is the, the scandal of the gospel in a nutshell, because our entire like human mentality is based on winning. I want my ideology to win. I want my group to win. I want my faith tradition to win by dominating others. And yet love does not come through winning. It comes through self-sacrifice and it's just always, always countercultural. It's really interesting because we, I've heard sermons at churches and maybe even at grace. I don't know. I, I've heard it so many times since I've been a Christian that I don't know where I've heard it, but I've heard it a million times. I heard it on Jesus free cruise where it's like, guys, haven't you seen, haven't you read the ending? We win. Right. You know, like Jesus allows us to win, AKA go to heaven and you know, win. Right. And so it's, it's, it's weird that we're always tempted with winning or with power and we're never mm. tempted with humility. Like that's never tempting to us. Right. Doing the right thing is never tempting. It's doing the wrong thing that's tempting. Right. Um, it's just, it's, it's just weird to me that it's designed that way. Like what if we were all tempted right. being humble? Like who right. be most humble? <laughs> but we're never, it's like, it's like trying to, it's like trying to do like a, who can be the quietest game with your kids in the car? Like oh, yes. it, I don't Glorious think it works. Game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, think about how Jesus was tempted by the evil one in, in the gospels. What is he tempted with? He's like, the, Satan is like, Hey, I'll give you all the kingdoms in the world. Like you can be super powerful. And he's like, no. And he's like, I'll, you could, you know, if you're really the son of God and angels are going to protect you, then throw yourself off the temple. Cause they'll catch you before you hit the ground. Like you could be Superman. And he's like, no, like he's not, yeah. he doesn't give into it. He's like, no, I'm not going to follow that path. Cause that's not the path to life. We're never tempted um, to care for the sheep. Well, we're tempted to mm-hmm. eat lamb chops. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and even, and I'll, even in the, the human movements or human ideologies that, that talk about justice and caring for, you know, people on the margins and stuff like that. There's still, even there always the temptation for that ideology to be dominant, to, to overwhelm the others. It's like, it's like, it's impossible to escape it. It's part of the human condition. Yeah. We want to, we've got to win. We've got to win. Nobody wants to lose. Losers are losers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Amen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. So in all these parables and the, and the three we've talked about, it doesn't talk about it explicitly, but the theme, the overriding theme to me seems like it just, it feels, and Jesus refers to it in some of these scriptures, it feels like children. Like the theme is, is faith of a mustard seed is like really young, you know, 
really small faith or like in Jesus, the way he talks about children. And mm-hmm. I just picture children every time I hear these parables and maybe that's mm-hmm. because yeah. they're, they're stories and we have been comparing them to essentially children's stories. But um, why do you think, do you feel that? And why, if so, why do you think Jesus um, did that chose to, to communicate that way? Like the theme is, is children in my, yeah. in my observation. Yeah. Why does he say that the greatest in the kingdom is the one who becomes as humble as a child? Yeah. What, what does that mean? What does it mean to receive the kingdom as a child would? Um, I think it's a great question and it's one we should probably really wrestle with. I'm even thinking like this particular parable, perhaps there's something about the way that a child views the world, where if you were to tell a, a toddler or I don't know, five-year-old, Hey, um, God leaves the 99 to go after the one. They're like, okay, great. Whereas you tell an adult, God leaves the 99 to go after the one. We're like, Hey, that's not fair. Like, what about the 99? You're going to leave them. Like, what if something happens to them? You know, we immediately go into the, somehow it's like uh, we, we get, pinged by the injustice of it that he would choose to, I mean, you're going to talk about this next week, Marin, but it's like somehow the injustice of God's grace is, is somehow repugnant to us as adults. Whereas I wonder if mm-hmm. a child would be like, okay, that's great. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching on the, the parable of the vineyard owner where like he goes out mm-hmm. and he hires a bunch of people. They work different amounts of time in the scorching heat, but they all get paid at the end of the day. Right now I'm picturing where they get paid the same amount at the end of the day. I'm picturing being a kid and like not even caring about the value of money and just being like, right. look what we got yeah. <laughs> at the end of the yeah. day and not, you it's know, so much candy. how come you got, <laughs> right, right, right. We'd just be like, yeah. look what we got and we'd go yeah. celebrate. Right, right. Again, we talk so much at Grace about the upside down kingdom of God, the upside Mm -hmm. down kingdom of heaven. And what could be more upside down than telling those in power, those adults in power, that really they should really strive more to be like this random kid, to be like this kid. Kids were not worshipped in in their society. They were not mm-hmm. held in such high esteem. It was one of the most provocative ways that he could provide us with a clear picture mm. of what the kingdom of heaven is really like. And if anything, for me over the last month of talking about these parables, it's just made me think so much about the kingdom of heaven. The, the mm. parable about the lost sheep is, you know, you were right to make that connection that yes, even if we are the ones who are lost, he will leave the 99 to go after us. It's personal, mm. but it's, yeah. it's beyond personal. There is a bigger picture to all of these parables that describes what the kingdom of God is like. And we think so many times I've thought so much, especially since my mom has gone to heaven. What's heaven like? You know, is she just laying on her face before God, just like astounded, unable to move? Has she has she gotten off her face yet? Is she walking around on those streets of gold yet? Like I think about it constantly, Mm. something that preparing for next week's message and something that all of these messages have done for me as I've thought about the kingdom of God. It's taken away the barrier between myself and where my mother is because we are all in the same kingdom. And we all have the same king. 
Wow. And so if yeah. that's what the kingdom is like where she is, you better believe that's what I want the kingdom to be like here. Mm. And then it brought yeah. the Lord's prayer to life on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, God, yeah. your kingdom come, your kingdom come. And it just got me stoked to think that's what the kingdom mm. is like. Maybe it's not yeah. what I thought. Maybe my mom is not, you know, playing a harp on some boat in the glassy sea. Like maybe, I hope she is. <laughs> maybe that's not what the kingdom of heaven is like. Maybe she's, Maybe she's realizing how all of these scriptures come to life, you know, yeah. um, on the other side and what that upside yeah. down kingdom yields yeah. in the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The second application uh, or second part of your takeaways, Barry, is is you said it, it's, a, it's a little more traditional or what I what what I'm familiar with when I hear about the yeah. parable And that is, you know, Jesus isn't satisfied until every sheep is accounted for. And and yeah, we are the sheep and he wants all of us. Um, Yeah. And I pointed out, I pointed out the difference, the one big distinct difference in the way that Jesus tells this story from the way Ezekiel tells it is the whole 99 and one thing. Because in Ezekiel's telling, there's a ton of lost sheep and Jesus is telling it's 99 and he leaves it for just the one. And as I pointed out, like, you know, if you're a shepherd, you know, 1% loss in the flock is like the cost of doing business. You know, it's just, well, that happens, but not to God, not to God. There's no... There's no uh, disposable or, or um, oh shoot, what's the, uh, there's no, yeah, there's nothing that you just cast to the side because he's like, well, it was, it's not worth the effort. Right. Yeah. It's always worth the effort, right. you know? Yeah. And that's a little personal. Like that is, that is the biggest reason I love God. <laughs> it, it is. It's like to know his kingdom is for every single person. And he's not satisfied until every sheep is accounted for that. Yeah. That that's it. That's why I believe is because I want to believe in a God who thinks that way or feels that way about me, about you, about everybody. Um, and if his desire is to find and care for a hundred percent of us or a hundred percent of his sheep, then that shouldn't that snap my priorities and schedule and mm. focus like who, what am I doing? If that's his desire, what's my desire? You know? Um, yeah. And so, yeah. uh, I have a, qu- I have a question on that. Do you think it's possible to be a lost sheep? Because every time I think about, every time I think about this, I hear lost sheep equals someone who doesn't believe in Jesus. Hmm. A lost sheep doesn't necessarily have to mean that. Right. Every time I've ever heard this sermon, a parable, a sermon on this parable, it's like, who is the lost sheep in your life that you need to, you know, and we're talking about unbelievers, but that's not necessarily how I interpreted this. Hmm. Right. This is like, right. I could be a lost sheep yeah. and God's going to yeah. come after me. You could be, and he's going to come after you. Yeah. It could be an unbeliever, but sometimes we're, we're, we're his flock and we, and he's going to fight for us. He's going to fight for us just as much as he would for, you know, an unbeliever. But, well, I think about, um, is it Psalm 23 talking about, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And it says that his rod and his staff 
comforts us. So here we are, like we are the sheep, right? And we've got a shepherd and his rod and his staff comforts us. But what I heard, I heard somewhere that the rod in that word comfort is like when a shepherd taps that sheep back in line or uses mm. like the, the, the hook of the shepherd's mm-hmm. rod to be like, whoop, Nope, not over there. And 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 yeah. pull in Ooh. the sheep. Whoop. <laughs> the sheep that's going astray, right? So, yeah. yeah, the good shepherd leaves the 9 to go 99 to go after the one. And it could be any of us. Mm-hmm. If if I am a, as a follower of God, if I hit the wrong path, I get a little whack. I choose the wrong path. Yeah. The good shepherd comes along and he tries to lovingly comfort me, to yeah. lead me and guide me back mm-hmm. to the narrow path. Mm. Yeah. It could be any one of us. It, it doesn't have to mean, you know, your cousin who still hasn't gotten saved. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I really appreciate about this sermon, because it's it's one of the first times that it was like, hey, there's Ezekiel 34 and that's going to, you know, you even said this, this may sting a little bit. I don't know how you phrase it, but this may, if you've been, you know, stirred up, like this is for you. This is also for you because he's going to fight for you. He's going to pursue you. He's going to, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a dual. I mean, in some sense, we are the lost sheep. In some sense, we are the shepherds, the co-shepherds that are working for the master shepherd and we'd better not blow it. You know, by letting the sheep wander and letting, you know, but at the same time, it's like we also are the lost sheep and we need to take assurance in the fact that that the good shepherd is pursuing us constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Like he did, like he did for Peter when Peter denied him three times. He lovingly guided him back to the right path and then Mm -hmm. passed that mantle on to him saying, if you love me feed my sheep. I think that's the perfect depiction of that duality we're talking about where Peter was the lost sheep, but it's also Peter's responsibility as a disciple of Christ to feed the sheep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. So Barry, I I need you to write a book. (laughs) Write a book. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Uh, Where do we go next? We can call it. We can call it. Why did no one tell me this? Why Uh, didn't they tell me before? what took yeah. you so long? <laughs> um, Marin, can I, can I, I want to, I want to turn it over to you cause you're next. But before I do that, I want to just say broadly, I just want to throw this out there. The, the weekend after this next weekend where, which will be the first weekend after the election, uh, we've been wrestling with how to, how to preach in wake of something which will likely be very divisive regardless of the outcome. And so, um, the, I, I, I started thinking about this, praying about this. I made the decision to do, um, to just go straight to the words of Jesus, which we're, I know we're doing that already this, this month, but I thought, you know what, let's talk about the sermon on the Mount. Mm. And what does he say about loving your enemies and the beatitudes and like who is blessed in the kingdom and like the Lord's prayer and what are true disciples. And, and so that's what we're going to talk about next week, straight from the, from the, we almost call it, what do we call we called it, we called the series outrageous. Mm. Um, cause, cause some of his teachings are outrageous about like loving your enemy. How, you know, all that. Yeah. Um, we were going to, I, I figured if there's doors or something, 
like straight from the, yeah, or straight from the horse's mouth is not a good idea. Um, <laughs> but anyway, but, but, but I wanted you guys to hear that friends of the pod that, that, that what's happening is I, I think God is actually continuing to kind of work because I didn't, I didn't even think about this till this, till like this past week, but we're spending all of October talking about what is the kingdom? Yes. And we're talking all in November about, okay, then how do we live in it? Yes. Like what is, what is a, a person who is following Jesus? How then should we live? Yes. And so I think there's going to be some really cool continuity through this and all of it's coming straight from the mouth of Jesus. So uh, that's what's coming next, next. Mm-hmm. Um, but Marin is up next and you already mentioned it, but you want to tell us a little more? Yeah, Marin, sure. Back in the saddle. Back in the saddle. Oh my goodness. Pray for me y'all for real. <laughs> the, y'all, y'all friends of the pod know more about what's been going on in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and so now you know why you need to pray. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm sharing the parable of the vineyard owner. Um, as I mentioned earlier, he hires uh, workers, day laborers at different points along the day. But to everyone's surprise, at the end of the day, they all get paid the same amount. And that did not make the workers hired at 6 a.m. very <laughs> happy. They no. were a little no. indignant. Um, so, yeah, um, like Barry has said Um, twice now in each of his sermons about these parables, they're an invitation to wrestle. They're an invitation to wonder. And my goodness, did this parable make me wrestle and make me wonder. So we will dive in and plumb the depths. I mean, these parables, they are not one dimensional. Very, this, this last parable you gave, especially if any parable could have been, you know, so he goes and gets the sheep, the end, you know, the one that was lost. Like if anything could have possibly been one dimensional, it would have been that. But as we just talked about, it's so much more than that. And that's why the Bible is cool. That's why I get geeked out every time we do a BYOB series. And it's particularly why Mm -hmm. the parables of Jesus are so mind bogglingly incredible. Hmm. So we got one more. Let's dive in. Cool. Me too. I'm excited. All right. Cool. Well, I don't have my sounds anymore, so we're just going to have to <laughs> wing it. My, my sounds died. There are so many good sound opportunities, Marin. I know. It's too bad. Yeah. Uh, but we're still going to have to send it out. So, Marin, can you please send us out? <laughs> sure thing, guys. Do justly. Love mercy. And walk humbly with your God, Tyler. <laughs> and we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. <laughs>